Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. And where are we going as a church? Uh, Because uh, as we are touched ourselves, so it overflows onto those we are associated with. I remember uh, my missions lecturer at Bible College, Dr. Ralph Christensen, uh, he asked the question, uh, now that you're a Christian, where are you going? And, and we all said, to heaven. And he said, uh, uh, try again. And I thought, oh, goodness, it's been two weeks at Bible College. Surely we're going to heaven. Uh, and uh, he said, no, uh, you're going into all the world going into all the world. And, and that was quite a shock to the system because I'd become a Christian so I could go to heaven uh, because I also feared uh, that very hot place called hell. Um, a couple of years ago, we were invited to go on this morning fun run or fun walk, you know, five kilometers. And it didn't last long, as you can see, but there were markers along the way. First kilometer, second kilometer, third kilometer. And so you, you start getting excited after the fourth one, and you look around and you're the only one around, and, and so hopefully you'll make it before sunset. You know, we did start at six o'clock in the morning, but you know, it, it, we, I was growing, and boy, have I grown. But uh, you, you know, uh, there are certain markers that come across our path and measure how we are going. Um, and in Christianity, it's about the Holy Spirit and, and how he, he comes and penetrates our hearts and our minds and allows us to grow and go uh, in a certain direction. And I had to take stock of my life, of my family's life, of uh, my ministry, our ministry, uh, and then also our church. And uh, after 13 and a half years in Australia, you know, two up in Darwin and 11 and a half down, uh, down in, in Perth, I, I began to, to take stock to gauge if I'm actually making progress or not. Am I going uh, forward? Am I going in the right direction? Uh, am I growing spiritually? Or uh, are we going backward? Because it's quite easy to go backward and you don't even know it. Uh, you know, uh, and you become stagnant, uh, and you don't become life-giving anymore, and so you're okay with it, because you're like that uh, frog in the water on a stove in a pot that slowly becomes uh, complacent with what's going on. And slowly, you begin to boil to death, if you like, uh, in a negative way. And so I had to ask the question, where are we going? Where are we going? Are we making progress as a family and as people? And in that uh, next slide, you'll read that Leighton Ford uh, said uh, the following. If God were to remove the Holy Spirit from the church... You know, we could go through the motions week after week, year after year, and still not go anywhere. You know, the Israelites, 
to go from Egypt to the promised land would have taken them about two weeks, but it took them 40 years because they were going in circles. They were going in circles. They thought that they were making progress, but they weren't uh, because they weren't examining the condition of their heart. And so uh, I want to share a couple of markers that will help us to see whether we're going in the right direction uh, as individuals and as a church. Marker number one is, uh, I hope that we can become a group of lakesiders living out the lordship of Jesus Christ, well, both uh, individually and uh, as we attend church here. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, Paul writes, and he says, I want you to know that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God, says, Jesus, be cursed. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now you say, well, you know, there are people who can actually say, well, Jesus is Lord. Uh, but do they actually mean it? Because the word, word in Greek, logos, actually means something extremely profound. That you, you can say it, but you don't really mean it. But if you're going to say it with integrity, then uh, it's important. And you can say it with integrity if Jesus Christ is Lord and Master of your life. Or else you'd be faking it, and that's not good. And there are many people who, who can fake it, and, and Christianity becomes drudgery for them. But the ideal is that they say it, and they say it well, because words are powerful. So if you say Jesus is Lord, does it contain the integrity by living out the Lord Jesus Christ, because words are important. Remember in Genesis chapter 1, uh, God spoke creation into being. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and it's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, Him being the Word. And so if you say Jesus is Lord, uh, it's, it's something that is powerful. Uh, the word logos means it's, it's something that is topical in your heart. There is reasoning behind it. There is motive behind it. And there is this divine expression within that is actually flowing from without. And so our views uh, are powerful and create a reality. So when we say Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, it's that expression that comes out that's evidenced through the lifestyle that we live. And so that uh, is crucial. And so uh, you, you cannot just say it and live a life that is opposite because that won't uh, balance out what we say and what we do. Now that makes absolute sense with, with what uh, James chapter 4 verse 15 is all about, that, that we, we do certain things, and, and, and James says if it is the Lord's will, you know. So before we say something, we, we, we preface it with if it is the Lord's will. Now that word will is uh, the word thelema, which uh, James says if it's the Lord's option uh, or determine. Uh, to do certain things, if it's the Lord's choice or preference. And when you say Jesus is Lord through your words, you're actually saying, if it's God's will that I do certain things, then he will allow it to come to pass. But that also means that I take a step of faith, not because I belong to myself, but because I belong to Jesus Christ. Hence, Jesus is Lord. And so I begin to take that step of faith in the right direction. And, and I begin to take that step of faith because God is in charge of my life and I actually am not my own. I belong to him 
and he is my Lord. Hence the words, he is Lord. And when I say he is Lord, I actually say that I'm not my own, and I belong to him, and I'm going to live him out in the community that God has placed me. As a pastor for many years, I've seen this happen so many times where, where my plans and purposes go in one direction and God has a different plan and purpose, uh, not only for me, but other people as well. They plan certain things and God changes those plans. Uh, you know, uh, God uh, allows people to go in for operations and uh, they opened up and, and the cancer has spread so far that they close them up. And they say, listen, go home, uh, you know, and get your family to come around because it won't be long. And they live for many, many years after that because Jesus is Lord. And they say, God's will be done because I'm not my own. So uh, the ideal is that I line up my plans and purposes. And as a church, we line our plans and purposes up with what God wants for our lives. You've heard that saying that uh, I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. And so it's not bad to plan, but you know there is this internal disposition as men and women uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ that actually says, he is Lord, and I'm not my own, and because he is Lord, I begin to step in the direction that he wants me to step. And so the first point, the first marker is that uh, are we living as a group of men and women that belong to this particular church and are living out the lordship of Jesus Christ? Not just by word and faking it, because that uh, is hard work, but by word and deed. And so uh, to live it out is the first mark, I think, that will show that we're going in the right direction. Marker number two is uh, this dedication to being missional. This dedication to being missional. And, and we know that, that the Spirit generates mission. Uh, and, and we can see it as early as Acts chapter 1 verse 8 where, where Jesus pours out his Holy Spirit on the people. And they begin to, to look uh, and see that that it's more than just the Jews that need to be liberated from the Roman authorities, but it's Jesus wanting the nations of the world to be blessed with what uh, they have experienced. And that's why, uh, you know, it's, it's often you find people or preachers say, uh, you know, quote Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power. And, you know, they emphasize the p for power, you know, you shall, and almost blow the microphone. You shall receive power. Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And they explain the Greek word, dynami, means power, it means authority. Well, what's the outcome of that? You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, the reason for the filling, the power of the Holy Spirit, is the overflow. And so to allow Jesus Christ to come and penetrate our hearts and we are dedicated to see what God sees from God's perspective and from God's eyes. Because God does not just love you and me, but he loves the nations of the world. To begin to see things from that perspective. Remember right in the beginning uh, uh, where, where Jesus uh, 
explain to them, you know, that he has come, that they can uh, be set free. Well, in the Old Testament, in Genesis chapter 11, uh, there was this confusion because of them wanting to get to God and the Tower of Babel, uh, you know, wanting to, to grow and grow and grow to become like God and, or close to God. And God confuses them with speaking in different languages. Genesis 11. But here in Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, you begin to see when the Holy Spirit falls upon them, it's more than just for the Jewish people to be set free, but now the different tribes, the different languages are united because they can worship God together. So there is this different perspective. And so we move from, from the presence of the Holy Spirit, not just being for Jews, but him coming to penetrate people's lives uh, so all, the whole world, uh, can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, as we sit here this morning, there are, there are, are people that have got gifts, uh, not necessarily only for a Sunday morning, but gifts to be put into practice during the week. It's easy to come to church and to ask for volunteers and to serve in different areas, but what happens during the week as you leave this place the, the sliding doors here, we're making it easy. And as you walk through the sliding doors, they open and you enter the mission field. The mission field. Because, uh, you know, you are the missionary in your workplace, in your home, uh, in your street. And so there is this uh, marker that I believe should uh, be a commitment to reflect who we are as men and women of God that we look uh, who Jesus Christ is, and look at things from a different perspective, and he wants to save the nations of the world. You know, this praying for, for myself and my wife and my son and even our little dog Penny, um, you know, it's, it's more than that. It's that God will use us in our street, in our neighborhood, in our vocations, that we can make a difference. I was saying to my mom, Mom, uh, when last did you speak to somebody in, in the retirement village or the, the, the senior's home that you live in? Uh, and she says, oh, what I going to say to them in her Greek accent? Uh, and I say, Mom, you invite them for a nice cup of Greek coffee, uh, as long as it's not before midday, because they won't sleep until 3 o'clock the next morning, that really strong coffee, and then you give them some Greek cake, um, and... You know, uh, you tell them about your family. You say, this is my daughter, and this is my other daughter, and this is my good-looking son. And, and, you know, you can tell them, oh, he's a pastor. He's in Australia, and he's preaching about Jesus Christ. And, and you can tell them about God and, and how he has impacted your life. You say, oh, okay. You know, and, you, and she says, uh, what else can I do? And, folks, now she's sewing little squares of blankets to give, you know, somebody to, to put all together for the poor. You know, we all have a calling, whether we are 12 years old or 80 years old. We've all been called to be missional, to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ, sometimes with a loud voice, other times just by simply putting it into action and serving. But our lifestyle should be one of evangelism. And as we begin to take those steps, we begin to see the world with a different perspective. You know, when Jesus started his ministry, he walked into the temple, and it was his turn to read the scriptures. 
And they pulled out, the rabbi pulled out the scriptures and gave it to him. And he opened it up and he began to quote Isaiah chapter 61. And it's what we read in, in Luke chapter 4 verse 18. And so Jesus takes a scroll and he opens it. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Well, for good news to the poor, the word poor means to, to the beggar that's got no money, but also those that are distressed. He has come that we preach good news to them. Uh, to heal the brokenhearted. That word brokenhearted means those who are shattered, those who are bruised. And the Greek word means that those who are so vulnerable that they're actually shivering. They're shivering, you know, because they are hurting. And folk, it is you and it is me who will be able to give the good news to them because we're the ones that can discover where other people are and can step in the gap because we're beginning to look at things from a different perspective because we're dedicated to being missional, that it's not only about me, myself, and I, and my little family because God is way bigger than that. It's uh, this deliverance to the captives is what Jesus read. And the word captives is the one that's, that's a, the word means prisoner. It's the one that is in the different prisons and we have amazing chaplains that go uh, uh, and minister to them. But also th that prisoner that's caught in their own difficulties, their own prison as it were, their own situation that they cannot be set free. And you and I can come and offer words of life to them. We can breathe fresh heart into them and make a difference. He says that it's come to recover or give sight to the blind. And that word blind is an interesting one because it means not necessarily literally blind. It could be that as well. But uh, it's also those, the word means smoky. They're not seeing clearly. It's like a mist in front of their eyes. They're not seeing clearly. And, and God wants to use you and he wants to use me that we can help them and point them in the right direction. And it says he's, he's come to set uh, at liberty those who are bruised. Different word there. It's those who are crushed. Those who are down and out. And we are the ones that can put our shoulder under their armpit and pick them up. And walk the road a little bit with them so they can be strong enough to go. But it, a, a, an important marker, if we're going in the right direction, is that we are dedicated to being missional. Anthony has said it a million times that there are over 8,000 people that come through our doors each week. Each month? No, each week. 8,000 people that come through uh, these doors every week. And you and I can be there to try and make a difference by doing something small, by sowing a little seed. And praise God, as God takes that seed, he can transform it. It might be a little kid, it might be a middle-aged basketballer, it might be a parent. Whatever it is, we can make a difference. And I think uh, that's a good marker. Thirdly, uh, devoting ourselves to prayer is an important marker as well. You know, uh, those Puritans that, that used to pray would say, I must pray until I've prayed. In other words, I've got to carry on praying until something happens. You know, and, and you can often hear a, a child's prayer, uh, God bless me, mommy, daddy, and our dog and cat. 
But it's more than that. It's for you and I who know the Lord Jesus Christ to actually take a step uh, in the right direction with reference to prayer. Remember Acts 2.42 in the early church when when, uh, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And the first summary we have in, in Acts 42 Uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 45, it says, Luke writes and he says, they devoted themselves uh, to prayer. Uh, And the word devoted there uh, means to to be earnest, to be diligent, and to continue in prayer. Uh, When I grew up, I used to be quite spiritual and pray a lot just before an exam, just before a job interview, uh, just before I would go and see the doctor if there was something wrong, you know. I would pray uh, if uh, somebody harmed me that God would harm them, you know. Uh, I would pray for forgiveness if, if I harmed somebody else, you know. But it, it's to be diligent and be committed to praying because God is doing something. And let me uh, try and take a, a different view of this um, because we often think that, that we need to pray to make something happen. Well, what about if we begin to pray because something is already happening. Because God is already moving. And as Henry Blackaby puts it in in his book, Experiencing God, that it's probably important to pray to see what God is doing and to jump on and be part of what God is doing. And so we devote ourselves, we commit ourselves to prayer to see what God is doing and to join Him in what He is doing. And sometimes it will not make sense, but we know that God is in control. It's like the person who gives us the the illustration about a ship that is moving. And and I have no idea how to steer a ship. In fact, I would be finished and and crash, and, and the ship would sink. But as I quickly realize I don't know how to steer that ship, I begin to pray and the need becomes quite clear that I need to stay on board, and as I stay on board, God begins to steer that ship in the right direction. And as we begin to experience God, we devote ourselves to what He is doing here uh, or in my own life and here at Lakeside, and we begin to continue to press in to what God is doing here at Lakeside and even to the nations of the world. Marker number four, this harmony uh, that is comfortable with putting others first. Now, that is so um, unwesternized mentality. But when I read 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14, and I look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, God has given each and every one of us here gifts. The Greek word for grace is the word chari or charis. The Greek word for gifts is the word charismata or charismata. So we have gifts, charismata, because of grace, chari. Same root word in the Greek. He's given us his favor. He's given us gifts so we can bless him. And so when you look at 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, each one of those gifts, except the gift of speaking in tongues, is for others. Every single one of those gifts is for others. 
except the one in speaking in tongues. That's for self-edification. But every single one of those is for others. And so when God blesses us, it's so we can be a blessing. Genesis chapter 12, God blessed Abraham so he could be a blessing. Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine that leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. What's the outcome of being filled with the Spirit? You speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. In other words, He blesses us to be a blessing. The reason for the filling is the overflow. And so it's uh, whatever gifts God has given you and given me, it's for the edification, beautiful fancy theological word, for building up edification of the body of Christ here at Lakeside. For what purpose? For the glorification and that word glorification to make famous the name of Jesus Christ. And so each of us has been given a gift. And that gift, uh, the way it works, it's God at work in our lives. And, and, and when we begin to put that into practice, God works in mysterious ways. And you begin to see that same Acts chapter 4, that you, because you realize you're not your own, because you realize you, you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and you say, Jesus is Lord, he is my master, I'm able to hold things a little bit uh, less tight. Things are a, a little bit looser because of who God is. And so there is this comfortable position that I want to put others first because of their gifts, because of what God is doing in their lives. And God has given me a gift that I can use elsewhere. But as we all put our gifts into practice, so Jesus is glorified. There is this unity in our diversity. You know, when you just have one instrument on its own, it sounds good. But if you have a number of instruments, different instruments, it sounds even better. It's that unity in diversity. You know... When the Holy Spirit fell on them and the, and the church began to grow, Paul writes in Galatians 3.28, and he talks about being one in Christ, that there is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free nor male nor female. All are one in Christ. And it's only the Holy Spirit that can do that because we have a different perspective, a different perspective, because God is at work in our community. And we're comfortable with that. So when no one is better than the other person because we are all graced differently. We're all gifted differently. And we need one another for this place to function effectively. Number five, spiritual gifts are put into action due to God's grace. And again, uh, whatever grace has been given to you, to put it into practice here at Lakeside. Because we begin to see things from a different perspective. Because there are different gifts. And you can read them all in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. You know, some for encouragement, some for some giving, others helping, some for action, some verbal. But you know, all these things are for the edification of one another. So we can grow together. And who gets glorified right at the end? Well, God. Because that's the purpose. That's the purpose. And so he blesses us to be a blessing. And then you say, well, you know what? I'm not sure, uh, you know, uh, what my gift is. 
Well, as you begin to... St- I remember when I was at Bible college, uh, they, they said, why don't you give... We had to do practical stuff. And, and they said, why don't you go and teach Sunday school? Well, it was quite evident I wasn't gifted in Sunday school. Because, you know, when you have this desire to... to I better not say to wring kids' necks, but... I mean, <laughs> you know, because... You realize that you're not gifted in that area. And that's a grace. <laughs> and so the crown in heaven for Sunday school teachers is massive. I realize by trying it out, I'm not gifted in that. And I want to encourage you, put your hand up and, and you know, put your name down and go to Sirens and say to her, listen, I want to volunteer in, in doing some Sunday school. You'll soon discover whether you're gifted for that or not. <laughs> Praise God I was not. <laughs> and I'm still not. I tried it again. But there are others who are. I'm gifted in a certain area. And so are you. But unless we try it out, only then will we discover that. And what's it all for? For the common good. After explaining all these wonderful gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, in verse 7, he actually says, it's given for the common good. Common good. And, and, and that word common good, simphero in the Greek, is, is that we all join in and carry the bucket of water together. When it's too heavy for me, you join me in carrying the bucket. And then uh, it's too heavy for somebody else, I join them in carrying the bucket. And we're carrying the bucket together. Why? Because it's life-giving information and life is in that bucket to go and serve others. Number six, there's this absolute reliance on the Holy Spirit and his rest. We know in John chapter 14 that uh, Jesus promised that he would give us the Holy Spirit uh, as the, the comforter, some translations say the advocate, the intercessor, the helper, the one who will stand by us, the one who will strengthen us, and the one who will be the counselor. And, and he always points back to who the Holy Spirit is. He's the truth. He's the truth. And as the truth comes, we realize that he will not leave us as orphans but he will be there with us every step of the way. That he has not promised to take the obstacle out the way, but he's given us courage, courage to be able to overcome so we can look back and say, God has been with us. To God be the glory. To God be the fame. To God be the honor. Because I never ever thought that I would overcome. But praise God, I have overcome by his grace. And that, you know, folk, that truth gives us hope. It gives us assurance when everything looks dim and dark and there seems to be no hope. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. And as long as I begin to step in that by faith, he makes a way and he parts the waters. Imagine if you were Moses and you were standing with two million Jews behind you Pharaoh and his horsemen behind them, and you've got the sea before you. What do you do? (laughs) Lord, what do you want me to do? Go forward, Moses. And he takes a step forward and he goes, Lord, Father, God, Yahweh, make it happen. My, My own understanding, my own paraphrasing. And God begins to do something as Moses begins to walk. Maybe he got his sandals wet, maybe up to his knees, Uh, maybe uh, up to just under his armpits, but they walked over and they were saved. 
Why? Because they began to press in what God was doing. They began to take that step of faith. They were reliant on God. And that brings about a rest that no one else can give the side of eternity. And number seven, and in closing, there is the fruit of the Spirit that is evident. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit, singular, fruit, not fruits. All of us are, are, are not necessarily to have all the gifts. That's plural. But all of us are to have the fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those nine fruit, all of us are to have in our lives and we are to practice them. And so when we begin to realize that that's a marker and we're lacking in one or two fruit, we begin to work on that, that God begins to, to work in us so we can add value. Uh, years after I finished school, um, I was in a lift with somebody and, and uh, we started chatting and, and uh, this mate of mine, Leon, uh, was in the same lift and I saw him and he said, Peter, and I said, Leon. And, and Leon was this naughty guy at school, naughtier than me. And so about 20 years after school, um, I saw him and I said, Dion, uh, Leon, what are you doing now? And, and he said, hey, I've become a Christian. Uh, I'm a deacon in my church. Um, I'm happily married. I've got a couple of kids. And, and God's actively involved in our lives. And I, I was shocked because Leon was really bad news. He used to walk behind people and, and kind of just be negative and, and kick them, you know, on the Achilles heel so he could hurt them. There was something wrong with this guy. I said, Leon, what's happened? <laughs> Remember, and we laughed together, got out of the lift, and we chatted for another half an hour. And I said, that's amazing. He said, and he shared his testimony with me that God had come and changed his life. He didn't know that I was a Christian. He didn't know that I was a pastor. And, and when he'd finished, I, you know, he even tried to preach to me a little bit. And then I shared with him that I also love the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're able to have a little bit of fellowship together, to give God the glory together. And, and we ended up saying a prayer together. And folk, that's what God does. He comes and he penetrates our hearts. He, in fact, praise God, he invades our hearts. And it begins to change us. And there is evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. Where before Leon was bad news, God changed him and made him good news. And folks, that's what God wants to do to each and every one of us. Because he wants to come and he wants us to, to look at things from a different perspective, with new eyes. Why? Because he comes and dwells within us. And so these are markers that we can begin to measure whether we're going in the right direction as a church or not. To begin to invite God into our midst uh, so he can come and make a difference in our lives and even to the ends of the earth. I want to read your story in closing about Ruth. You've heard me tell you the story before. It's about Ruth and... and um, you know, she goes to her mailbox, and there was one letter, and she picked it up and, and looked at it, 
before opening, but then she looked at the envelope again. There was no stamp, no postmark, only her name and address. She read the letter. Dear Ruth, I'm going to be in your neighborhood on Saturday afternoon. I'd like you to stop by for a visit. I'd like to stop by for a visit. Love always, Jesus. And, and she writes, uh, or she doesn't write, she, she begins to kind of grapple in her own heart that she only had a little bit of money left uh, to go to the shop uh, and buy just enough stuff for her and Jesus coming to visit that evening. And uh, she, she, she struggles. She goes and buys a loaf of French bread and half a pound of uh, ham and, and a carton of milk and, and uh, left her with a whole 12 cents until Monday. And she felt good, and, and she headed home and with her meager little offerings tucked under her arm. And I read to you, hey, lady, can you help us? Lady Ruth had been so absorbed in her dinner plans that she had even noticed, or hadn't noticed these two figures huddled in the alleyway. A man and a woman, both of them dressed in little more than rags. Look, lady, I ain't got a job you know, and my wife and I have been uh, living out here on the street, and well, now it's getting cold, and we've, uh, we're getting kind of hungry, and well, if you can help us, lady, we'd really appreciate it. And the story goes that Ruth looked at both of them, and she had 12 cents to give them, uh, and, and so she felt terrible about that. Um, and so she gives them what she can, and that French loaf and a little bit of ham. And then uh, they, were getting, they were getting cold, and she takes off her coat and gives it to this lady. Uh, and the, the story ends uh, like this. Ruth was chilled by the time she reached her front door and worried too. The Lord was coming to visit, and she didn't have anything to offer him. She fumbled through her purse for the door key, but as she did, she noticed another envelope in the mailbox. That's odd. The mailman doesn't usually come twice in one day. She took the envelope out of the box and opened it, and it read this. Dear Ruth, it was so good to see you again. Thank you for the lovely meal, and thank you, too, for the beautiful coat. Love always, Jesus. The air was still cold, but even without her coat, Ruth no longer noticed. The reason I tell you that story is because we never know what God can do when we reach out to somebody. And those are markers that can actually just encourage us to look at things from a different perspective. And God has placed you here at Lakeside so you can make a difference in our community but also to the ends of the earth, to begin to look at people from new eyes and see how you and I can make a difference in their lives. So his name, the name of Jesus, can be glorified. So the name of Jesus can be made famous here at Lakeside and even to the ends of the earth, through your life and through my life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that it's not by might nor by power, but only by your Holy Spirit that we can operate. Thank you, Lord, that while we were yet sinners, you came and penetrated our hearts. You came and invaded us, Lord, in a very wonderful and amazing way. And we give you glory for that. 
We pray, Lord, that we might take that step of faith that looks at people from a new perspective, with new eyes, so your name will be glorified. Do this, Lord, we pray. We beg you to come and change us from within that we can begin to see things from your perspective. For your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.